Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can find me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. This is a hoopball presentation, so check out hoopball on Twitter at hoopballtweets, online hoop-ball.com. We are literally three weeks away from the NBA season, so definitely make sure to get on board, especially with fantasy basketball coming along. You want to get in the leagues, you want to have all the advice you need going in, you go to hoopball for that. Once again, hoop-ball.com on Twitter at Hoopball Tweets. All right, so preseason's coming up. It's the week of um, media week, training camp, all that good stuff. But I'm still in off-season mode. Uh, as everyone knows, I'm always reading the basketball books. I'm playing the games, with the exception of 2K. And I'm finally able to have on a creator of just one of the great books I always look forward to every NBA break, off-season, draft time. I'm talking about the NBA Almanac. Uh, and I'm talking about Richard Liu. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at RVLHoops. Uh, I could go on and on about him, but I'm actually going to let you introduce yourself, Richard. First off, how you doing, man? And uh, thank you for coming on. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I, I was I was talking before. In fact, I used, I was sharing uh, one episode I did where I was looking back and I was bemoaning the fact that there isn't a whole lot of like NBA draft book type content, you know, or NBA preview books. You have like, the Lindy's magazines and some things here and there. A lot of it's gone online, but growing up, um, I remember I was, I mean, before my time, but I remember being able to get my hands on the Xander Hollander, like little pro basketball handbooks. Um, and then later on there was the John Hollander, like pro basketball prospectus and, you know, these annual volumes of like everything about the NBA season. So to see these was kind of cool. And I was like, yo, like, wait a second, that that's really neat. Um, so I kind of want to go in before we even get into the books, like, uh, what is your, I know you're an analyst, you've had some uh, extensive scouting experience. Um, what is kind of your background in hoops and, and what kind of got you into basketball? Yeah, just, I've always just been like a li- a, a lifelong fan of basketball. And so yeah, even since I was a kid, like, you know, it was just, you know, I, I kind of grew up kind of at the right time because <laughs> it was, um, you know, it was nineties. It was, you know, you know, it was the heyday of Jordan and the Bulls. So it was just right at that time where it could, you know, capture me as a, as a young, as a young kid. And at the same time, um, my dad actually, my dad would pass, he didn't, he would pass his um, NCAA tournament brackets to me because he didn't know what they were. So he would just go like, um, here, you fill them out. And so there was a period from when I was like nine to about 12, 13, where like, I apparently, according to my dad's coworkers, dominated his office pool. Or I won like, three of like like three or four out of five years and it was like right you know it was like and it was just kind of right at the time where like college basketball is really kind of getting pop was really you know popular where it was it was you know it was these it was the it was you know the fab five it was you know kind of you know the two duke championships in a row and sort of thing so it's like i had apparently won two in a row i won the two duke ones at, I had won those two Duke ones because I'd picked Duke over UNLV and then I had picked the Fab Five to go to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. And so it was like one of those where, and then at that time, I, you know, I was kind of starting to realize like, you know, co- these college basketball players were future NBA players. So that kind of got me into the drafts, like, you know, at a young age. So as, as, you know, that, you know, that kind of passion was in me as kind of as a kid. And then as I got to college, Moneyball, the book kind of came <laughs> out. And so it was kind of like, kind of open, you know, kind of got, you know, kind of something going where I was kind of like, I, maybe I could actually 
try something and maybe be involved in basketball in some way. So I had kind of just in my free time in college, just, you know, kind of started, you know, messing around with stats and, you know, taking kind of the things I was learning in statistics classes and things and just applying them to try to see if I could come up with something. And largely, you know, I built my drafts, my draft system in there. And so it was just kind of, you know, through grad school and trying to, you know, through grad school and then going to like early Sloan conference, trying to, yeah, like, you know, trying to actually turn it into a job. And then, you know, after a while, then kind of got, you know, then I got an email, I got an email in like 2010 from Steve Kerr when he was GM of the Suns. And it was just, so, so, you know, it was kind of a, you know, it was just kind of the sign that I could, I could actually do this. So like, I, yeah. I could do this and, you know, just be involved in basketball. And so that's kind of how I got into basketball, how I just, how I got into this. And so then the books are just another way to just, it's just kind of the way now to just kind of stay connected and also just mm-hmm. do something that's really kind of tailored to my strengths, really. Yes. I was actually going to say, first off, that 2010 Suns experience must have been amazing. Um, just seeing how that whole thing went down um, from from the inside. Uh, I know you had actually talked about um, in, in one of your books, I think you referenced it, just kind of an experience that you had in terms of making a tactical or helping make a tactical adjustment. Um, I was in the first round against Portland that year. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah. So a lot of it, I, I had come out. So I was I had gotten sort of like in kind of contact in contact with Steve Kerr, sort of towards like around trade deadline post All-Star break. And mm-hmm. so a lot of it was just kind of okay so you know he's kind of interested and I was kind of you know was interested in bringing me on full time and so at the time so just kind of showing what I could do yeah and you know they you know they didn't have a first round pick that year so like a lot of the draft stuff was going to be towards the end of the draft and but you know they were just kind of in the middle of this playoff run so a lot of it was just hey any to anything I can kind of show them and so I remember you know in that first round series that first game like you know Andre Miller dropped like 40 something in that game. And so this game was good. (laughs) Yeah, that game was good. And he was, and he was largely doing it against Jason Richardson. It was just like, okay, we cannot, you know, it was kind of like in, in just kind of watching the game, just kind of like, okay, this matchup just does not work. And so looking at just lineup numbers, and it was kind of a hard thing to do at the time because Portland at the time, the Portland, while when they played the Suns during the regular season was a different team than when they had in the playoffs because Brandon Roy was injured. They traded for Marcus Camby. So their lineup was a little bit kind of their lineup wasn't the same. So the sample size wasn't super, super large. So you had to go through a lot of just kind of, just kind of looking kind of granularly at at like different, like five man units. And so just a lot of it was just seeing, okay, Steve Nash is not an option if it's a switch. And then, you know, so you go to, you know, it's like, okay, you have to switch to Grant Hill. And then that kind of changed the series where now, you know, you're controlling Andrew Miller, who largely is their, was kind of the most consistent perimeter player they had, like with the lineup they had, because considering Brandon Roy was not. That guy at that point. Yeah, he was, yeah, he had, he had, yeah, torn a meniscus and they brought him back. They brought him back too early and, and so it's just, yeah, they need, we just needed, yeah, someone to just kind of control Andre Miller on the perimeter. And then, and then, you know, the side effect of that was just Jason Richardson now just, you know, can, you know, kind of, you know, can serve his energy on the defensive end. And then he just kind of went off for, you know, the rest of that series. 
That is cool. That is cool. Uh huh. Yeah. So that's kind of how that kind of using kind of using kind of little like you know little little you know analytics with lineups kind of just Mm -hmm. you know making those little switches in terms of like just you know just keep you know like which guys to play you know which guys to kind of keep together you know who to switch and things of that sort that is cool i was gonna say i mean obviously change the series that way you could say looking at the way the playoffs ran out kind of helped with their run ultimately to the conference final so that is definitely definitely cool um and i guess that kind of leads to my my next my next question i mean you take that background you take your experience with the suns um and then you spill it out to the nba almanacs and i mean i'm a huge fan i I literally grabbed the first one a while back and it's it was one that i was like wow because again there isn't that type of book in that space anymore in terms of general kind of annual NBA updates, whatever the case may be, um, statistical analysis, team previews from a level, both from a team's perspective as well as a player perspective. So kind of, you kind of allude to it already when you said that you kind of want to just keep that same, you know, your skill set and apply it in a way that was beneficial. And these books were a manifestation of that, but kind of what made you set out to make them? Like, was there inspiration or was it like trying to make something you wanted to see in the market or kind of what kind of helped spark that idea, you know, to, to start them? Yeah, I think it was kind of um, it was kind of after the time that I'd kind of been work. I've been kind of doing analytics in the league, trying to. It was kind of after the part where it was a little bit of a like a two or three year dry period where I was kind of looking for maybe other teams to kind of latch on with, and mm-hmm. it was, I'd kind of gotten close, and then kind of something falls through late, and just kind of going through that kind of over and over again, and yeah. kind of seeing that maybe that that wasn't the right way to go. I mean, I even like at it like towards the end was like switching out like switching sports completely like i had like Whoa. kind of gone into yeah I, i'd gone into like hockey analytics so like i have a whole database actually of like <laughs> canadian junior hockey where like wow where like it was where it was just applying what i had done to that and seeing and then like you know a few years later yeah i'd seen that and then and and but like that, yeah, I had, got, I had actually gotten close with a team and then, you know, that fell through. So then it was just kind of like, okay, if it's not happening mm-hmm. in basketball, it's not happening here. So then it was a matter of just like, okay, you know, I can't just, yeah, you know, I'm sitting on, you know, I can't really do it. You know, it's like, I, you know, I still love basketball. I yeah. still have these, like, you know, these large algorithms sitting in my hard drive you know, <laughs> somewhere. Wow. And I got to do something with them. And so then I had actually like, come across i was like cleaning my apartment one night and i was like and i had seen something like i had sent out like coal like coal like like i'd called to like a few people that i was in contact with from like my early sloan days and it was like it was for the 2009 draft it was like a report of like it was like a one 200 page report that i'd like say hey this is what i you know it was like a cold like this is what i can do yeah i kind of looked at it and i was like you know i and then I in and every and then I think I I had seen this and I think I'd, every once in a while I'd seen like my brother like reading through it just like periodically just just looking at it like yeah. as people as, as like games were going I was like okay maybe if I could do some version of that in you know just some version of that every year and just put it out just to you know just to you know keep up my interest and just kind of share what I have. Yeah. And so then it just came down to like the book, the print book medium was just kind of the medium that just kind of suited me the best where it was, where it's one of these where I don't have to, you know, 
where I can kind of do all my research at once, kind of gather all my information and then kind of put it out at one time versus like something like a blog or something where I'd have to be kind of topical and kind of in the moment and having different angles for for pieces and things like that, where I think I had tried a blog at one point, like in, you know, like years, years early, I kind of got burned out yeah. of doing that. So then the book just kind of, it, 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 it allowed me to just share my information the best way I could. Okay. And so the, that first one was just kind of, let me see if I could do it. And then I got kind of some positive responses around it. And so it was kind of, okay. Then the rest is kind of, then it's kind of just building on and kind of fine tuning from there. Mm. And yeah, the preview almanac just kind of came kind of almost like I didn't even think to do one. And it just, I got a couple of emails from people just saying, Hey, Hey, do you have anything? And I'm like, and then like, it was just kind of with enough time where I could like, it was like, I had gotten these emails, like maybe like, a week or two before one of the summer leagues. So that gave me like a little bit of time mm-hmm. to go like, okay, if I could come up with something, what could I do? Yeah. Whereas if those emails had come in like two weeks, I was like, I just don't have enough time. Yeah. But because it is, it was like, because yeah, the crunch in that, in that pre in the preview is just, it's in a normal season, it's pretty tight. And then mm-hmm. like, as we've gone through these last <laughs> two years with just, you know, COVID and just, you know, the schedule, like, you know, the schedule coming up out of the blue. And Mm -hmm. so now, you know, like, you know, just in coming through that, but yeah, that was just something, you know, the fans just ask me for it. Like, okay, you know, give the people what they want. There it is. (laughs) Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. And just do, yeah. Just do what you can do. And so, and that was, yeah, something that I hadn't, you know, that projection system was something I just, yeah. I hadn't been, I had had it and I hadn't been able to use it. And so now it's like, now I have a use for it. And so that's where we go. That is cool, man. I was going to say, before we even get in the process, I have to share a little bit of how I even discovered him because that's exactly where I was. I was actually going on a look mini vacation for summer league, um, like to just watch some games and hang out not there, but like with family. And I was like, you know what? Like I work in a library, I'm a big book reader. Can I get something? And I was looking on Amazon, just randomly scrolling and it popped up and I was like, what you know see it boom next day it was in and i was like wow that is cool and like you said i can only imagine the timetable and how quick it is to get all the information in in that short period of time when transactions are flying and you know between especially now you know one thing after another you had you know you blink on tuesday and it's the draft thursday night free agency by saturday we're pretty much done you know and i couldn't imagine it so i guess that kind of leads my next thing about going into kind of your process because you basically put out two books out a year you know i think starting over what since 2018 2019 is when you first came with your first um like nba preview almanac but for the past two years before that it was a draft one so now it's like a draft book and a preview book um kind of how does that go between going back and forth between you know preparing for the next season and then recapping the last season in one book and also looking forward to the draft in the same book yeah that's i mean that that's i mean it it came it, it's a it's a pretty hectic process it's just, <laughs> yeah and it's a lot of like just understanding how timetable like the timetable and just having certain dates in mind where I just kind of and dates in mind and also my own work rate so it's like so just figuring out okay by this time I got a startup you know I got to start you know like when the college season kind of 
comes out, I got to start breaking down prospects and prospects for the draft book. And then like at the same time, the regular season's ending. So I got to, you know, the running projections takes time because it's still like, you know, like it's like, it's not like coded in some like real, like really efficient way. It's just me. Uh It was like me and my, just like a little bit of a disorganized like Excel spreadsheet. So it's like, it's, oh wow. So it's just kind of, but running that, but a lot of, a lot of um, work, just a lot of the work, the, 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 like the simple organizational tasks, a lot of that, a lot, I'm helped a lot because I live with my brother. And so like, he helps me a lot where I can get a lot of that, like really dirty kind of legwork in terms of like, like just organizing and just getting in for, just getting information into where I can read it and break it down pretty quickly. Okay. And so that, so that helps like where I can, I can be working on one, I can be sort of working on one book and then kind of having the early parts of the the second one kind of going. So then when every, like basically like after, like right after summer league ends where I kind of have a, where like rosters are 75, 80% kind of, you know, kind of, yeah, done. I can sort of start putting the preview one together. And so it's, um, yeah, just a lot of it, just, you know, just, figuring out time is really the is the um is the biggest challenge and so some yeah and then and ho- and usually hopefully it's like I, everything kind of runs smoother this year it was kind of just kind of you know <laughs> everything was moved up everything was just constricted and then like i you know in per you know just personally like i had like a, i had an i had an i had like an arm injury so like i was typing oh, most of this with one yeah like I had sprained my wrist, like, you know, just like right before summer league hit. And so like, oh, while, so like after that, I was worried, I was still kind of recovering. So I was typing with one hand and then like, just, yeah, I was, yeah. I had, you putting the most into this. Like it was a lot yeah. of work and you're right. Yeah, like these life injuries factored in. Right. Yeah. So it was like, yeah. So that would like slow me. And then, yeah. And then, so, but then, you know, just trying to work around these sort of little things, you know, to try to, you know, to try to get as, as get it on time as quickly as possible. And then as, as you said, like, yeah, like the transactions are just, you know, just. Mile a minute. <laughs> mile a, yeah. I think remember like not this past one that I just put out, but the one the, like, you know, like the season before, like the Westbrook John wall trade happened at the same, like, as I was just like nail, because one of the big things in doing these books, I got to just nail down my page count. So then I can get that to my, cover person and so then they know exactly how you know just how to how thick the spine is and so when they're designing so they can you know just so it can be dimensionally accurate and so then yeah if like a trade happens and it thankfully was one for it was like a one for one trade Mm -hmm. there weren't like new people that were signed and so (laughs) it was like but then it was just like okay this now just kind of throws off like how i'm rating teams and ranking them as a, as i go cuz now yeah. it's like okay i can't i can't rearrange <laughs> i can't rearrange three or four teams at the same time cuz now mm-hmm. yeah so so but hopefully yeah i hope like as i'm like nailing down the page i'm really hoping like not like a big trade happens after and after like after rather than while i'm doing so so then i don't have to adjust anything yeah no that makes perfect sense i get that and that's that's wild i mean it's funny to me because 
you don't think as a fan, I don't think about that. You know, the worst I have to do is, oh, I have another podcast to do. But you're right. Like, if I'm writing a book on every team, every player, one gets traded for another. Now I'm looking at, okay, in real time, I have to measure the impact of how this player is going to fit in with this team. Does it help their role? Does it decrease their role? How does it impact that team? Do I have to rewrite my entire blurb about it? Do I have to go back and keep it as pat? That's a lot. And yeah, again, in such a, a truncated time span, I mean, dude, I already have mad respect for that. That's that's really cool, man. Um, and that that's leads to my next question about about these books. I mean, each year you've kind of had something different. I mean, you've had the the like different in terms of measurements in terms of comparing players. I've loved the similarity score um, about a player at a certain year. Um, you know, like you have Nikola Jokic, and at age twenty three, he you have you know like X Y Z players that he would be closest to. You know, considering statistical output. Um, based on projections and all of that. Um, you also have the, the strength um, method and also the defensive degree of difficulty. So, like, do you have, I guess the first question I have is, do you have any, like, future ideas for additions? And I know it might be hard because you're already trying to keep up with everything as is. But my second is, like, can you briefly go into kind of, like, your your measurements for, you know, our list and potential um, readers of the book, just kind of how you kind of break down roughly, you know, your three um, main measurements for for your projections? Yeah, so a lot of like, yeah, statistical similarity is just kind of the backbone of a lot of what like works in the draft book and works in um, the preview almanac. And a lot of it is just simply just kind of like, you know, if you look at, you know, just somebody's age, body type, yeah, just dip, yeah, different statistical output, output, you know, using a variety of factors, just where, you know, who are they? Yeah, like, who are they like in terms of the history, you know, in terms of just historically and just, and based on, you know, how other players with similar profiles have done, you know, how would you expect them to do in the future? So, uh, so a lot of, you know, just with statistical similarity, the similarity score is just basically kind of just us giving, you know, kind of, kind of giving the reader just a sense of like how, you know, how similar any, you know, any given player is to, a set of kind of just, you know, reasonable comparables in any given point of time. And sometimes, you know, like a lot of times for, you know, like role players who are pretty common. And so you can, you can get a sense, okay, this is just sort of how, you know, how they're, you know, how their skills project. And so it's like, okay, are they going to, you know, improve? Are they going to decline? And then, you know, improve, decline and what kind, you know, how, well, you know, how will they sort of move forward? How are they expected to sort of move forward with their careers? And then with some guys who are just, you know, kind of like really just, you know, like some of the better players are just more statistical sort of outlier types. It's just, you sort of get like fragments of, you know, fragments of similarities and to just kind of get an idea of, you know, how, how they're, how, they're, how of what to kind of expect from, from year to year. And so that's, kind of a just a way to just kind of assess kind of just just you know just assess their kind of just kind of the their place kind of in the league and kind of where yeah. they are at this moment in time and then so yeah shrimp is just another one of those like i needed a name for i liked it <laughs> yeah it's like yeah because it's also like yeah it's also one of those things like a, a lot of in, in kind of a lot of the statistical analysis readings that i had at the time and based largely in baseball it's like it's always some acronym of some 
player Fire. and the acronym really yeah. acronym doesn't like it's a lot of words that kind of sound mm-hmm. analytical and they kind of don't quite you know <laughs> all the way go to yeah you know, they go close enough together and so yeah like, they're so squeezing like, yeah, those in yeah so the pf <laughs> at the end of shrimp kind of led me to performance forecasting and so then just it filling works. in words <laughs> so that's like yeah that was just the name of the overall system that i that uses kind of statistical similarity to like just this large database of nba players that you can measure just you can just compare anybody to and just kind of get some idea of what what you might expect for you know the next year definitely and then yeah then and then defensive degree of difficulty was just something i sort of had it was an idea like i had always had when i had started um doing analytics where like analytics at you know back when i started like around 2006 now 2007 all we really had was like the box score and then so some of the advanced plus minus stuff was coming in but we really just didn't have a way to determine who was actually good at playing on ball defense yeah so and, and and even still like in the public space you know it's not the metrics aren't super great mm-hmm. and so especially if you look at guy you know if you look at someone like Lou Dort where if you look at like, you know, just anything you'd find on a basketball reference page, you'd see like defensive rating, you know, is, you know, it's, it's kind of high just cause he's on, you know, he's a, you know, he's a guy, you know, he's a guy on a really bad defensive team. And so it's hard to like, you know, it's, it, you know, a lot, lot of defensive rating is rooted kind of in what you're, you know, it's kind of, it takes kind of where you are as a team and then kind of adjusts individually, but he's not necessarily a guy who gets, you know, a lot of blocks and steals because his job is to guard basically all the hardest, all the best scorers in the league. And so, and then, you know, and in terms of plus minus, those things are not going to, you know, those you're, you know, again, it's the same thing where it's like, he's a starter on, you know, rebuilding thunder team. And so you needed, you know, and some kind of way to, measure you know measure you know his value and so it was yeah just kind of scrolling across nba.com or they you just you know they actually do list the mat they list um who people guard on like a part on a possession basis and so it was just kind of kind of just the the thing that i'd always want is just like okay someone finally tracked who guards who Mm -hmm. and then it's just a measure of quantifying that and so it's just you know you assign you know you know again like guarding james harden is a lot harder than guarding danny green yes and so it's like you would get credit for you know you know it's like and so you know your performance against james harden would be weighed you know more than it would be you know than danny green so it's like so seeing who who takes on those tougher sort of assignments and then how well they do and so that's it kind of illuminates so so it can kind of illuminate performance on a side of the ball that usually doesn't you know get yeah you know, analyzed quite as critically as you know offense does so oh, for so sure. and, and and yeah pandemic you know, just kind of gave me the time to, to kind of mess around with it and kind of tweak it and and develop it so it yeah. was just kind of something that you know, it worked out, it kind of worked out in that sense. And then it just, I've just sort of included it now, just, yeah, I included it and I'm going to include it in future almanacs just so 
the information's there. Yeah, no, it's definitely a boon. I love the fact that, you know, you look, I test or analytics usually is one or the other, but like you supposed to have like a marriage of both. And I think yours gets there, but you're looking at a certain guy. I remember doing this with my friend um, with your late, with your most recent one in anticipation of your next one. Um, and we we're talking about Damian Lillard as a defender and the way you have the defensive degree of difficulty, you kind of say, okay, you know, average level starters, lower level starters, whatever the case may be. And it takes all the information that you said and kind of synthesizes it down to like a, a reasonable, okay, you know, he's guarding higher level matchups or someone is guarding the lowest level guy, you know, whether it's save energy because he's a poor defender, whatever the case may be. So I definitely thought that was really cool and definitely had to bring that up. Um, I had a question. You were talking about the sim score. I, I don't know if this is true, but by kind of what I've been reading over the last couple is grading LeBron an interesting, like what, who is the hardest guy that you think that comes to mind when you have to put together your similarity scores? I know for like two years in a row, um, it, it seemed to have been Vince Carter, but that was only because as you pointed out, there hadn't been a 41, 42 year old perimeter player like Vince Carter. So uh, kind of who is the hardest challenge that you've had um, in recent memory uh, finding a player comparison to? Um, yeah, there are a lot of these guys that are kind of like, yeah, you know, now, you know, Z- yeah, Zion Williamson is, you know, just cause there's just <laughs> usually the people at his body type, you know, there's just no one like of, of his body type and stuff yeah. that LeBron's always kind of been, been tough just cause again, like, again, it's, it's that, it's that, you know, cause he's, his body type is of, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big man's body, but it's, you know, kind of a, you know, like point guardish skill set. And even I would say like Steph is kind of, you know, like you normally guys like him kind of age, kind of age, don't age particularly well, just cause you know, have injury history and mm-hmm. they're a little small slight of build, but, and, and the way the game was played back, you know, historically you wear down easier. Yeah. Wear down. And there's just no one that's that good at shooting. <laughs> and so it's just, so it's like coming up with like a really good comp for Steph is just not, it's just not, it's just not easy to do. And then, yeah, you look at some guys who are just, you know, these like tall ball handling, these tall ball handling, you know, kind of almost big men type where it's like Giannis, Ben Simmons. Yeah. We were, you know, we're getting, we're just getting a lot of guys that just defy normal positions. And so those are the types where you're just kind of like, you're seeing some, you know, and even yeah, like Kevin Durant where you're seeing just comps that are just kind of across the spectrum where it's like, and it's just like, it's really like, no one's really a perfect match. So you're like seeing like a, a piece here, a piece there. And so that's, you know, kind of what, you know, kind of numbers kind of trying to make sense of, but you know, it's mm-hmm. always something. And it's yeah, kind of true in the sense of like the great ones are just, you know, they're one of one anyway. That's true. It only so speaks to that. Yeah. So it's like this kind of reflects that where you're just, you know, it's not, you know, you know, someone, you know, that's just unusual, like even like Luca to some extent where it's like, you know, there's just not been like, you know, like a 22 year old, that size, that skill set. And so finding a match is just, you know, going to be hard. hard. It's just going to be hard. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Um, I, I, I always find it a, a marvel to do that, but I think it also is a great way of putting in focus another player of that archetype so credit to you for that but yeah i can only imagine the difficulty there uh and then imagine if lebron has another strong year like this at age 37 next year <laughs> next it'll be even more yeah. fun <laughs> for yeah, sure and then, yeah we're yeah we're also yeah you work into aging and it's like yeah Le- you know most guys that age just aren't this productive so then yeah, yeah we're 
yeah, we're getting into the dwindling number of, yeah, he's, yeah, we're getting closer to Vince Carter land where he's, you know, <laughs> the, we're like, yeah, we're at least, yeah, he'll get, he'll have like Vince Carter as a comp and it's there you go. super, super, <laughs> super, <laughs> super bad, super similar. Yeah. It's not, yeah, but, but it's there. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. I wanted to go into um, your website. Uh, I think you and your brother both manage it. Um, NBA scouting live. Can you share a little about the content you have there? I remember reading a piece a couple weeks ago, and it was really in-depth and really cool about basically looking back at the 2017 draft, but in, like, tremendous detail, like players who got drafted, players who didn't get drafted, trades that went through, all of it. And it was, like, really long. I don't like like a nice – just a very good read, a very deep read. Um, Kind of what content do you have there? Is that, like, an additional component to your books? Is that something that you do kind of on the side as you make it? Kind of where's the relationship there? And what can people expect to find there? Um, NBAScoutingLive.com. Yeah, so that's yeah, the site that me and my brother manage. And a lot – and I think that actually had come before the books where we were just kind of sort – kind of – it was just kind of a means to explore content. We're both, we're both kind of into the draft. And so that's more, you know, kind of like day-to-day draft content where, you know, you, you know, it's kind of seeing where prospects are at any given time where, you know, after a game or something they're you know, rank, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're taking all the rankings from kind of different sites and kind of, and, and even our own just to kind of get a sense of where people are going to get picked and then just, started you know and just in just kind of creating content you know that's where you know kind of looking back at past drafts and kind of doing other just kind of experimenting with content things largely you know a lot of the writing there is done by my brother and i just am i serve as more of an editor okay yeah so it's kind of that but a lot of it is just kind of day-to-day content kind of experimenting with you know different sort of content ideas so for a while we've done, you know, since kind of the beginning, our uh, concepts of mock drafts have kind of been different where we get, you know, people kind of in our friend group to kind of, you know, kind of serve as, you know, GMs of teams. And we just kind of mock the NBA draft and, you know, kind of go through, you know, kind of trade ideas and things of, you know, trade, you know, kind of try to cut, you know, execute trade ideas and, you know, just, you know, do it that way. And, so yeah, a lot of it is just yeah, kind of day to day draft content that you know we just have just sort of as the and it also kind of you know as I write the draft book comes helpful just because it like allows me to, it's a place to kind of organize some notes and it's really kind of helpful to just kind of see sort see sort of those have that as another source of information that I'm just gathering as as the process of writing that comes through. Definitely. And I was going to say, like, I think as someone who's like keeping up in real time and someone in myself who, I mean, I can just be honest, I'm so focused on the NBA and like my podcast, obviously keeping track of it on, on a mostly daily basis that when the draft time comes, like, you know, I'm with everyone else where, you know, you take that. Okay. Finals is ending. Let's look to the draft. And so having that plethora of content is cool this year. I'm trying to do it differently and make sure I'm keeping up with some of these guys from the beginning so i have a more um fully fleshed out kind of basis of analysis i'm not just cramming information in just before you know the draft or leading up to it but i definitely love what i saw there and so at least for this upcoming draft cycle you definitely do have content and and draft boards and stuff out there right um yeah we're just kind of starting it's in the real preliminary stage mm-hmm, where, of course. yeah because it's just yeah nothing is oh, yeah, yeah, nothing, nothing but it's <laughs> but now that yeah now that you know kind of 
we're we're into like now now everyone's not you know in you know strictly like a college or an international you know, everyone's kind of into different leagues you kind of have to get a sense of who people are beforehand so then you know you can kind of make sense of you know where they're where how where they're at development wise and kind of you know like yeah just where you know kind of where they rank among each other because now everyone's not kind of in the same league you're just sort of so yeah so yeah the process kind of, we're you know in the early stages of just kind of you know kind of looking at maybe a few high school games of some guys and you know just getting a sense of just who they are before you really kind of dive and start to evaluate you know for the draft definitely definitely and i i guess from that i want to take i want to take some of your knowledge that you put together and i want to kind of put it in real time i put four teams uh that i'm kind of a fan on and i <laughs> i'm going abruptly from the draft to nba only because i have a tendency to ramble and so i know let's power through on this one um but real quick i you you did this whole book you know literally i say what your expectations it's in the book definitely check it out um it's the 2021 2022 nba preview almanac we'll share that more as we get to the end here but i have four teams i picked just specifically that i'm interested in one way or another and i kind of want to get just a brief synopsis on each one. Um, so the first one is the Lakers revamped their roster. Third year in a row they've done this. You know, you had 2018, 2019, where um, playmakers around LeBron. Let's see how that works. It didn't. 2019, 2020, you know, defenders and rim runners and shooters. Let's do that. Got a championship. Next year, let's diversify it a little bit. You know, bring in um, additional bench punch in terms of uh, Montrezl Harrell and Dennis Shooter and uh, Marcus Gasol and switch the complexion of our team to more offensive-minded, but still a defensive identity. Um, it didn't work, but I think a lot of that was due to injury. This year, they said, oh, I'll bunk all this. We're going to, like, mix it in a different way by bringing in our, our rim-running bigs, but the rest of the team just be shooters. Oh, and we have a point guard who's ball-dominant but doesn't shoot. He's also my personal favorite, but I'm just being just analytical here in Russell Westbrook. So like as a Lakers fan, um, I need to ask you kind of, how do you look at this team and, and where you see them kind of finishing up? Yeah, I think like when I finally, yeah, cause they also just did, they don't have a fully formed rot. Yeah. You know, like they don't have all 15 guys. So, but yeah, what it was, yeah, I think in trying to make sense of the team, cause you yeah, have no, I have, you know, not a firm grasp on how they're going to, use their rotation but yeah but i think like i have them in that at least in that top six where they're not going to be in a play-in but it's like yeah i think the western conference this year is just a little kind of more wide is a little wide open just because you got kind of utah phoenix and then a lot of teams kind of bunched kind of together so like the lakers are kind of in there with dallas and you know the clippers you know, are healthy and and so a lot of this is going to come down to, you know, just matchups in terms of seating. But with the Lakers, it's just, you know, they have a lot. They're really kind of overloaded on experience, to say the least, because it's just a much older team. So you're a lot of those. It's just keeping that roster healthy is going to be a challenge. Yeah. And then just kind of, you know, I, you know, just figuring out kind of an identity and just, you know, kind of a consistent rotation. Mm-hmm. If they can kind of get that squared away in the early going, I think they have a, they have a shot. And then it just kind of depends from there, like just matchups where, you know, it's like, if they get on, if they get the right kind of, if they get on the right side of the bracket and find, you know, you know, just kind of get opponents that kind of, you know, you know, 
kind of, you know, that are, that they match up better against, you know, they can progress. Whereas, you know, if they get, you know, if they like, for example, if, you know, if they kind of play against like a, a Utah and they have these kind of rim running bigs and that, you know, kind of plays more to, you know, kind of, they might not, you know, match up as well to like a Utah say like a fiend, you know, as like a Phoenix. So it's kind of, so then, you know, so, but I think, you know, they have, I think if things go right, yeah. you know, they could, you know, you know, they, they, they could be, you know, they could be in it, but then, you know, kind of, it just comes back to like, you know, age injury, yeah. you know, just, you know, age injury kind of then performance, you know, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, they could slip a little. So I kind of have them kind of, you know, like my, you know, kind of in that five, you know, like three, you know, three to five range. Okay. In that situation. Yeah. Just being leery of, like you said, a lot of the older guys and where they may fall due to injury or, or whatever the case may be. So that's why I just wanted to get your take on it. Cause I'm like, eh, you know, they have this problem, this problem, this problem. And I see them first in the West. So I just wanted to get a more measured take there. I'm going to put these two teams together just by where I think they're both ranked, but they're both two kind of different teams in that way. I guess they're in the same boat, actually, respectively for their different conferences, but you have the Pelicans and the Wizards. Um, Both teams did do some revamping. They both have a guy that they're trying to like build around that they've been basically unsuccessful in over the last couple of years. Um, The Pelicans is on Williamson on the Wizards, of course, with an older player, but still effective. Uh, Well, he's still in his prime and Bradley Beal. Where do you kind of put those two teams and, and kind of like the big thing that you notice over the off season for, for both of them? I would say, you know, my system is actually like a little more optimistic on both of them than I, I, than I anticipated. So um, a lot of it, you know, like with the Pelicans, I think it's um, yeah, it's kind of, Zion Williamson is in that sort of Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram are in that part of their careers where they're still kind of ascending. And then they have, and then, you know, kind of with the guys that they got are, you know, kind of underrated, at least on the offensive end where, you know, they can space the floor. They, you know, they take smart, you know, smart shots and a little bit like if you're running, you know, I could kind of see, you know, like the, at least the Pelicans from an offensive point of view, if you're, you know, kind of putting the ball in Zion Williamson's hands, you have, you have, you know, three or four guys who can space the floor around him. And so if they, you know, kind of, if things gel quickly, their offense could kind of push them higher than, higher than expected. Now the defense, you know, is a whole nother story with the um, crew that they have, but, yeah. you know, and the crew that now, and so I, so like my system has them in the four, for five range, I probably am not as optimistic. I'd probably push them closer to that seven, eight play-in range. But now that you know Zion Williamson hurt his foot, that, yeah. that probably will drop a little more. And then yeah, and then also you got you know all the just uncertain. Yeah, you have uncertainty. You have you know Willie Green's a new, a, you know the third coach in three years. Yeah, and so then it just comes back to okay, are they? you know, with a new, new coach, a lot of new players come in and are they going to actually nail their rotation right away? Are they going to, you know, get everything kind of clicking right away? And so there's that adjustment period where, you know, everyone kind of is, you know, at least in the beginning is always kind of fiddling around with their rotation. So I probably have them in that play in play in area where, you know, like, again, like I could see them kind of getting it together kind of late and being kind of an interesting kind of 
dangerous team and that could, you know, kind of kind of sneak into a spot, you know, a playoff spot there. Mm-hmm. So that's where I got the Pelicans, more or less like seven, eight in the West kind of range. Okay. Okay. So both we, in that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then the Wizards kind of I'm saying that they, you know, it's like, you know, what they kind of lost in quality, they kind of gained back sort of in quantity and sort of depth. So it's like in terms of just managing like the regular regular season, you know, they, they have more sort of, ta- you know, more kind of B-ish kind of talented players that they could kind of cobble together to always kind of have like a, you know, like a solid rotation and kind of at least, you know, in the Eastern Conference. So, you know, then it's like if they stay healthy, they might, you know, kind of they stay healthy and then, you know, maybe pe- people don't kind of, you know, pay as much attention to them. They could kind of steal some wins early. So like optimistically, they might be kind of, they could maybe push like the top six, but I probably most likely they're kind of also in that seven to seven to 10 play in range mm-hmm. where, and then, and that's just assuming if, you know, guy, everybody's, you know, everybody like Spencer Dinwiddie stays, you know, if he's recovered from his ACL and everybody kind of, you know, everybody, you know, that kind of came in from the Lakers kind of like, kind of, you know, kind of embraces kind of a new role with the new team. And then they also have a new coach and Wes Unseld has got to figure everything out with all these new players and then, you know, with, and get their rotation. Right. So, <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that, you know, kind of comes along, but like in, you know, from, from a talent perspective, it's probably, they're probably in that seven to 10, that seven to 10 play in range. Okay, definitely, definitely. And then last but not least, we kind of both know where this team will be. I think projections, our own thoughts. I just want to ask you kind of what's one thing you're kind of excited about by um, the Orlando Magic? Because I look at them, they're like the one rebuilding team that I'm intrigued about. Not, we know they're going to be bad, but just kind of like one player that you think is going to have a positive impact. Um, new coach Mo Mosley and his potential, um, you know, first impressions on this team. Uh, is there something that you look forward to on a team that, you know, we know off the top is going to be a developmental one? Um, I really like Jalen Suggs coming out of college. I mean, I had oh, second. I mean, I just really think, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he doesn't have one like real standout skill, but he just kind of does everything well. He has a really high compete level. Good, you know, just good kind of intangible, you know, kind of good kind of intangibles. And I think, you know, it's, you know, getting him, you know, at five was, you know, as close to a steal as you can get where it's like, yeah, I was not thinking that he was going to drop that far. And so, getting a guy like that to like, at least, you know, where they could, where he could, you know, maybe he's not like, you know, their franchise guy, but you know, if he's like, you know, if he's kind of like a taller version of like drew holiday, Mm -hmm. they got like, you know, at least one building block they can kind of go through. So it's just, you know, seeing how he, seeing how he develops and kind of, you know, seeing how he develops and, you know, will will be interesting where it's like, see, you know, see if they kind of, eventually kind of find the right players to put around him and he had a good yeah he had a good summer league you know yeah he did when he was there so it was like yeah so things are kind of you know you know it's like yeah things kind of trending you know they think think for the most part i think he should pan out okay I but agree. yeah but yeah that's that's the guy kind of on the team that i'd kind of be i'd be kind of i'd be watching out for on the orlando magic <laughs> i'm definitely excited about how he's going to perform i'm so happy he slipped to my number five um, just from a developmental perspective, you know, looking at Jonathan Kaminga or Scotty Barnes, both those guys I think will be tremendous talents, but just for the fit of this magic team, I- I'm excited for Suggs as well. So I look forward to seeing how he'll perform. But um, Richard, I-, I thank you 
so much for your time uh, coming up here, you know, just sharing your experience and, you know, even just talking um, some of the, the background and some of these teams it's really been a insightful conversation. Um, please tell people, I implore you guys um, check out Richard Liu on Amazon for sure. Um, check out these NBA almanacs. There's several editions. Um, but before I even go anymore, Richard, kind of where can people find your work and what you'll continue to do? So yeah, largely it's on Amazon. So it's um, amazon.com slash author slash RVL hoops, or you can just, you know, kind of in the search, just you know, <laughs> <laughs> Richard, Lou NBA. <laughs> Richard Lou NBA to be in there, but largely, yeah, the books are, yeah, on Amazon. Yeah. On my, I have an author page and that's where you'll find all, you'll find the current one as well as all the past ones I've done. Um, also on Twitter, um, at RVL hoops. So, and that also has the link to the author page. So that's largely where you can find me and get updates on what, what I'm, what I'm doing. Well, thank you, man, again, for coming on. I really do appreciate it. Next time you guys do that, uh, that mock draft, I want in, I'm going to be around. Okay. I'm available. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, we'll do. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. And, and listen, y'all thanks again, um, for tuning in definitely check out Richard on Amazon. I'll have the link um, in the description for this pod. Uh, so definitely make sure to give that a link, give it a follow. It's great content that you're going to need NBA season just a couple of weeks away. Um, check me out on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Check out Hoopball on Twitter at Hoopball Tweets, online hoop-ball.com. Uh, definitely got a lot more content rolling out. Got division previews coming up. Got news from uh, training camp, news from preseason continuing. And then we're going to be right back on the ground of the regular season. So I thank y'all in advance for joining me again on season two of this ride. Uh, but for myself, uh, for Richard, we are Frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.